We are so privileged today to have Dr. Robert Broadbrooks as our speaker. Dr. Broadbrooks is the regional director for USA Canada for the Church of the Nazarene. That means he oversees about 5,000 churches between the United States and Canada. Before he took on this assignment, he was district superintendent in Tennessee, and prior to that, he was in a district superintendent in Alabama, and he also pastored in several years before that. We are so, so very blessed to have him. I get to hang out with Bob and his wife, Carol, once a year. A group of pastors get together, and Dr. Broadbooks uh, leads that, that group. And so every year for a week, we get to hang out together. And he's just been a tremendous blessing to me, and I am so glad that you will, will get to hear him preach this morning. He's here. We've had missionary convention yesterday. District assembly begins tonight and then tomorrow. And so we are so blessed to have him. And so, Dr. Broadbooks, would you come and would you welcome him as he comes? Thanks a lot, Pastor Rob. It is a joy to be able to be here on this uh, rather uh, beautiful Sunday morning. It's a little inclement out there, but uh, hey, can I move this forward a little bit? Is that all right? I feel like I'm a long way away from you, and I'd just like to be a little closer so I can see the whites of your eyes. Oh, well, I can't really see them yet, but anyway, I'm sure they're there. And it's wonderful to be here. We had a wonderful conversation yesterday with uh, NMI convention, the Missions Converse Con- Convention. And now today to be with you on this Sunday morning is a special privilege. And I'm grateful for your pastor, uh, Prince, for inviting me. Uh, the good news is that over this last year, uh, in these 5,000 churches that pastor referenced, Almost 48,000 people came to faith in Christ. That's good news. Yeah. <clears throat> that really is what we're about. We want to introduce the best friend we have to our friends here. And Jesus Christ is the one who can uh, forgive sins and take over our hearts and fill us with perfect love. And we, we really, that's really the major emphasis and mission we have. And so to realize that almost uh, 48,000 people are new Christians who are serving Jesus as a result of uh, the ministry of the Holy Spirit through, through Flint Central and uh, many other thousands of churches around this part of the world, we rejoice and give thanks to God. My purpose, though, this morning is to share a message with you. And so if you have your Bibles or your phone, uh, turn with me to John 14, 15. And uh, if uh, yesterday is any indication, uh, the people in the sound booth are really on top of this and they they don't know what scripture I was going to use, but I wouldn't be surprised it'll appear on the screen as well in a few minutes. They did yesterday. And we're going to read John 14, verses 15 through 21. Well, aren't they fast? They are really fast. John 14, and we'll begin reading with verse 15 and read through verse 21. Would you stand in reverence to God's word? If you're able to stand, stand with me. And uh, we'll, we'll show our respect and appreciation for the word of God as we read this passage. You'll follow along with me in whatever version you have. Jesus said, if you love me, You will obey what I command, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. The message this morning is entitled, Check the Box. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us for a few moments. May your word come alive for us. And may the truth we hear today be applied deeply to our hearts so that on Monday our lives will be changed. And we ask this on Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. You may be seated. There's a fellow in Nashville, Tennessee, by the name of Robert Morgan. He's written a lot of books, and uh, a lot of his books are hymn story books. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, but there are books out there that give the history of different hymns of the church. And Robert Morgan is uh, uh, somewhat famous for writing books like that. In one of his books, he tells this little story. I don't remember now exactly how he applied it, but I want to tell you about the little, uh, as a little half of a paragraph that he mentioned. He, he said, you know, in the mail this last week, I got a copy of a seed catalog. Do any of you remember seed catalogs? Would you raise your hand? Well, a few of you do. Uh, now, a lot of them are online, but it used to be that they'd send you, companies would send you the catalog, and the seed catalog was something like this. Uh, you know, you'd, you'd have pictures of, of flowers and pictures of vegetables, and then you'd you turn to the back and there's an order blank and you fill out the order blank and Morgan was talking about the fact that he he, he noticed that, that uh, on this back page of the seed catalog there was there were little boxes that you checked if you wanted a packet of uh, sweet peas you check this and if you wanted gladiolas you check here but he said, he said down in the bottom of the order blank there was a larger box and out next to the side of that larger box, it said, th- it said this, Check this box if you are willing to receive something of equal or greater value if what you order is unavailable. So it said, again, Check this box if you're willing to receive something of equal or greater value if what you order is unavailable. Now that's interesting, isn't it? I... Uh, the, the idea is that if you, if you uh, order sweet peas up here and, and it comes to them and they don't have sweet peas, if you check the big box down here, they'll send you something of equal or greater value. Now, I want to take a poll today and find out how many of you would have checked that box. Now, now, if you would have checked the box to say, oh, yeah, send me something of equal or greater value, would you, would you raise your hand? Oh, a number of you would. If you would not have checked the box, raise your hand. Oh, <laughs> the vast majority of us, notice I said us, would, would have not checked the box. Well, you, you know, the, the idea is that if you, some of us, in fact, the majority of us in this room would say, hey, I know what I want, 
And uh, if you don't have what I want, don't bother to send me something because I'm sure I'd be disappointed. So most of us in the room would, we just don't like surprises. So we just wouldn't check the box. But now there are a few of you, raise your hands again, who, who would check. Oh, probably, probably a 20, 20% of us. A few of you in the room, now you, you your, your attitude would be, hey, I love surprises. Go ahead, check this box, man. I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I'm up for a party anytime, you know. Oh, boy, some of you would, but... But the majority of us in the room, we're not like that. We just, we know what we want, and and we're not going to take any chances of getting something we don't want. Uh, Did you know, uh, I think God sometimes works like this. Sometimes in our praying, we are absolutely certain what we want. We, We know beyond any shadow of a doubt what would be best. We got our lives all mapped out. We know exactly what we need. We, we, we don't want any surprises at all. And, and sometimes in our praying, we demand certain things of God, like we want Him to heal an ache or an illness, or, or we want Him to give us a bigger house, or, or make sure we have a certain amount of money upon which to retire. And, and we just know. But I think He's pleased with us when we are willing to just check the box and say lord i i think i know what i want but if i can't have what i think i want just send me something of equal or greater value you know what is best lord And I think when we get to that point, I believe God smiles at us. Because at that point, we are totally trusting Him. I'm not sure our disciples were at that point, though, in this passage. No, they weren't there yet. Jesus was trying to prepare them for His departure. And He says, you know, I'm I'm going to be leaving. And uh, and I, and, uh, I, I, I just wanted to prepare you for that. I'm sure Jesus knew they were going to miss him. He, he actually chose his words very carefully in this passage. <clears throat> and one of the words he chose was the word orphan. He said, I, I, I want you to know I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You know how an orphan feels. He feels or she feels homeless and parentless and loveless, and abandoned, and unprotected, and lonely. And Jesus knew that the disciples were going to feel this way. And so he says in verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. They couldn't see it at the time. But Jesus had something else in mind. He knew of something, capital S, of equal or greater value. They wouldn't have thought to pray for it. But he had it all planned out for the best. He knew he couldn't stay forever. He knew he couldn't stay in this human body and continue to, to, to be with all of the millions of Christians that were going to come in the, in the future generations. 
He knew he would have to have something different to be able to minister to us and with us. He had a plan that was of equal or greater value. And so in verses 16 and 17, he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. You see, the disciples could never have anticipated that. They would never have known to pray for this. All they knew is that they were going to have serious separation anxieties, abandonment feelings without Jesus living with them. But Jesus had a better idea. And he was going to send the Holy Spirit to be with them for every moment of every day. This is the future of beyond what we're celebrating this week of Holy Week. It goes way beyond the events of this Holy Week. He had it all planned out. He knew exactly what he was going to do so that they would not, and you and I would not feel like orphans after his body left. And his plan was even greater when he explained that his spirit wouldn't just be with them, but his spirit would be in them. And so verse 17b says, The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then he adds emphasis in verse 20 and says it again, On that day you will realize that I am with my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Now for those of us who've been around the church forever, we, we, we understand this. And I'm afraid we understand it too much. And sometimes we get so that we we get so comfortable with this truth that we that we forget just how precious it really is. That he is with us. But it goes way beyond that. He is actually in us. We must never get used to this amazing, absolutely incredible truth that Jesus is with us. In, in fact, the Apostle Paul, in, in Colossians 1.27, he talks about the mystery of this truth. He, he, he says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He calls it a mystery. And for us, it's such a blessing that he is actually with us and, in fact, in us. Our first church that we pastored was in western Colorado in a town called Montrose, Colorado. Oh, we love Montrose. And there was a fellow in the church named Ralph, and he had this big ranch up in the San Juan Mountains. It was always exciting to go up to his place. One day I was standing outside his house, and I looked across this beautiful meadow, and there was this A-framed house over there. And I said, Ralph, who owns that place over there? He said, oh, that's, a, that's owned by a famous New York City writer. And he told me the guy's name. I don't remember. It's not important. But he said, yeah, he lives in New York City. But he he told me one day he can't write in New York City. He has to come out here. He just sits behind that big A-frame window there. He's got a big chair and a desk. And that's where he writes all his novels. He looks across the meadow here to the courthouse rock and and, uh, Sawtooth Range and the beautiful San Juan Mountains. It's his inspiration. And Ralph said, one day I asked him, why he writes here? Why doesn't he write back home in New York City? And, and he said to me, oh, he said, I can't write in New York City. It's, it's too noisy, too dirty, too cacophonous there. It's just 
not a good place to write. Have to write here. And after Ralph told me that story, I'm thinking, I'm so glad my God is not like a New York City writer. I'm glad my God didn't create this beautiful world of ours just to form this perfect globe of ours and put a carpet of green around it and then tack it down with daisies. And, and then I'm glad he didn't just fling it out into the universe and put just the right axis on us and just the right speed of spin. And, and then I'm glad my God didn't just sit down behind his big heavenly glass window and his big chair and then just watch us spin through time uninvolved, uninterested, unaware. I'm glad my God is not like a New York City writer. (laughs) No, he's not. He, He loves you so much he's involved in your life. A while back, my, my son-in-law, Matthew Mullins in Nashville, sent me a, a YouTube video. He sent it to me out of the blue. He's never done this before or since. And so he, he uh, as I watched the uh, interview, the, the fellow was saying uh, to the, the creator of Beautiful Instruments, the guy's name was Mr. Z. I don't remember his whole last name. It's too impossible to say, but it started with Z. And so... He said to Mr. Z, I understand you make violins. Mr. Z said, yeah. He said, I make some of the finest violins in the world. People have told me that. And some of the finest players of the violin uh, in the world play my instrument. And uh, the guy said, well, that's wonderful. He said, how much do they cost? And Mr. Z said, well, I'm sorry, I can't really tell you. Oh, they're expensive. They're really expensive. Well, where is your studio? And, And he said, well, my studio is in downtown New York City. And the, 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 the guy said, the, the questioner said, downtown New York City, oh, it's so busy there, so dirty there, so many people there, so noisy. Why do you have your studio in downtown New York City? And Mr. Z said, because that's where my clients are. And he said, sometimes they play their instruments hard. And sometimes they get broken and out of tune and need repair. And I want to be near my clients so I can help them. Am I making any sense to you folks this morning? I'm glad my God is not like a New York City writer. But he's very much like a New York City violin maker. In fact, uh, you've heard of E. Stanley Jones, great Methodist missionary. He said the, the best verse in the whole Bible was John, four, John, John 1, verse 14. And the Word, capital W, became flesh and, dealt, and dwelt among us. E. Stanley Jones said that's the best verse in the whole Bible. So the beautiful part of this Jesus that we serve is he has not left us as orphans. He has a better plan for us. And he sent the Holy Spirit who would not just be with us. 
he would be in us. In other words, he didn't just move into the neighborhood. He moved into the neighbor. And we Christians must never get to the point where we forget just how magnificent it is that Jesus himself lives inside of us so that we would not feel like orphans. He, in this passage, explains in a rather unusual way that he has something much greater, of much greater value for you and me. And all we have to do is check the box. Jesus chose his words very carefully here. There's another word he used, not just orphan, but there's another word he used very carefully, the word counselor. He says there that, that, that the Spirit would act as a counselor to the disciples. I looked it up in the dictionary because I didn't want to make a mistake. The, 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 the word counselor is used in three different ways. Number one, a counselor is someone who gives advice about your problems, like an advisor or a consultant. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, is like that. Number two, a counselor is someone who has supervisory duties and gives direction, like a summer camp counselor. He is directing our lives. And number three, a counselor is someone who pleads cases in court, like a lawyer or a counselor at law. He is a counselor. It pleads our case. I don't know. Have, they, have somebody at work this last week said something bad about you and your immediate reaction was to defend yourself? Maybe a better case or course of action would be, hey, let the counselor do that. Let the Holy Spirit do that. One said, he who defends himself in court has a fool for a client anyway. Let the counselor do that. He is our counselor. Jesus chose that word carefully. He's a, a, he is one who will be your consultant for sticky problems. He is the one who will be your supervisor when you need directions. He's the one who will need, be your lawyer when the enemy, enemy of your soul wants to imprison your life. The typical orphan knows only how to ask for another parent. But Jesus offers something of, of greater value. He offers the counselor, the spirit of truth, who will not just be with you. He will be in you. It's a beautiful mystery, Paul says. And all you have to do is check the box. And as you ask for help from the Lord, you have the Holy Spirit on retainer. He is going to be there in marvelous ways that you didn't even dream possible if you'll just check a box. Did you know that many of the great men and women of the Bible have been people who have checked a box? Have you ever heard of somebody named Job? Do you remember Job? It's a great story. He, had, he lost everything of value. His children died. His vast houses, his possessions, all just vanished. His, his crops, his, his herds. He was a wealthy man. He just lost it all. He even lost his health. You remember the story, just boils all over his body. And, and he lost everything. Well, I shouldn't say everything. He, he, did, he, he still had his wife. 
And if you think I'm going to comment on that, you, you think I'm much stupider than I really am. I'm not, not going to comment on that. But he lost everything else. And here he is in agony and suffering. He says to the Lord, <laughs> it's a check-the-box moment. He says to the Lord, God, though you slay me, I am still going to trust in you. Job 13, 15. <laughs> Go ahead and kill me, Lord. I'm still going to trust you no matter what. And Job checked that box. He was willing to give, it, give everything to the Lord. And just so the Lord would send him something of equal or greater value. And you know the story. Everything was replaced in his life. There was another check-the-box story. Uh, You ever heard of the Apostle Paul? Yeah. He was struggling with some sort of problem he referred to as the thorn in the flesh. And some think it was a physical problem. Perhaps it was poor eyesight. And three times he pleaded with the Lord, Take it away from me, Lord. Take this away from me, Lord. Take this away from me, Lord. As if he was demanding the Lord to take his thorn in the flesh away. But he finally decided that God knew best. God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul said back to the Lord, therefore I boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, Lord. So that Christ's power can rest on me. 2 Corinthians chapters, chapter 12, 7 through 10. He was checking a box. And he was saying, Lord, if you never take this illness away, if you never take this thorn in the flesh away, I I think I could serve you more faithfully. I think I could be more effective if I didn't have it. But if you never take it away, I'm still going to rest and trust in you because you see the bigger picture. Jesus Christ left and sent you something of much greater value And his name is the Holy Spirit. And he isn't just with you. He is in you. And he is whispering to you right now what he wants for you in your Monday. Let's pray. Jesus, We thank you for your sweet presence today. We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for the beautiful pleasure and joy we have of having you in our lives. We pray that in this very moment, all over this room, there will be folks who are checking a box Surrendering that stuff. Letting go of that hurt. Letting their faith reach out to believe that you are going to send them not just something of equal value, but something of much greater value. Thank you, Jesus.